The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Chris Sheeran Show. Fully staffed, even though last week was a great show with my buddy Lou DiPietro and a cast of characters that filled in for me while I was on vacation. I got to go home to the great state of New Jersey and visit my parents and uh, help my brother move. Oh, I'm sure that was exciting. Yeah, that was great vacation. <laughs> Look, kids, big bad yeah, barley. Yeah, it was fantastic. But anyway, I want to start this podcast off by apologizing to all of our listeners. because For last week's show in its entirety? No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the show's before that. Because the person speaking right now, the, that would be uh, yours truly. At Chris Sheeran, yes, on the Twitter Yeah, machine. yeah. I was mortified. Last week, whilst on vacation... I went to baseball reference because I wanted to see if we could back up with numbers. Uh, the Mike Gallego Toronto Blue Jays stuff uh, from 92 and 93 when the Jays won the World Series. <sighs> Mike Gallego was a New York Yankee in 92 and 93. He never played for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, he is a base coach or something for them, w- is he not? He was. is or he was my tired rear end was thinking of Gallego on those A's teams that completely destroyed the Yankees. I'm talking about those A's teams from like 88, 89, 90. The Bash Brothers era. That would sweep the Yankees in a 12-game series. The Yankees were 0-12 against the A's one year. Could not get a win. So much to the fact that my grandmother, Lucia, who was one of the only 90-year-old people that I knew, God rest her soul, she got to 93. But one of the only people that, you know, if if a Yankee wasn't doing it, she would be in her easy chair, and in her broken English, she would say, they should have sent him back to Columbus. She knew exactly where. That was very Frankie Williams from a Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, right there. She knew exactly where to send them back. But um, it was a Piper's Pit reference, by the way. In case uh, you didn't yeah, I, I didn't get it. I'm sorry. But God rest Roddy Piper's soul, too. He passed away as well at 61. Hey, 61's a good run for a wrestler, by the way, as I start going off on tangents. And I don't want to do that. I just want to apologize. But my grandmother hated every time they showed a shot of Tony La Russa in the dugout. If the Yankees did something positive, scored a run, got a base hit in a tough situation, Grandma would look at the TV and they showed a shot of La Russa and she'd go, take that, La Russa. She didn't even <laughs> finish his name. But it was so funny. She's Italian. She doesn't oh, need God. to finish words with vowels yeah, at the end. She was, oh, God, do I miss her. 2003. It's been a dozen years since we lost her, and it'll be 13 years in January. You know, it never even registered so. in my mind either that, like, you were saying Mike Gallego and it wasn't. I know, like and I, even... I put you in that situation, and I want to apologize to you too. And, you know, I'm, I'm a person that if I make a mistake and, I, you know, I just don't leave it out there, I, I make amends and I admit it and I cop to it, and it's an awful mistake. And you know what? I could have just let it go. Uh, and let it live out there and, and, and not acknowledge that I was an idiot. Uh, but I have to, uh, I, I'm the type of person that I have to do it and I have to say it. So there. So we should also apologize to uh, Manuel Lee or Manuel Lee, whatever his name was, and Alfredo Griffin, who were actually the shortstops on the 1992 yeah. Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. And I did ask David Cohn on, on a BP episode a couple weeks back. I think it was when the Yankees got swept 
by the Jays at the stadium, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think I had him on f- the Friday night BP. And one of the questions to him towards the end of the interview was, uh, is the lineup on your 92 Toronto team, was it better just as good or is it uh, not as good as this year's Toronto lineup? And David Cohn said this year's Toronto lineup was better than that Toronto lineup. So that, that, that to me speaks volumes. But everybody who got their collective underwear in a bunch about the Blue Jays running off with those 11 straight wins, you know, that's baseball. That's any sport. You know, winning my, – my JV basketball coach in high school, Reggie Christmas, used to say all the time, winning is contagious. And he was right. I mean, there was a, there was a time – where you know we weren't the best and we didn't have the best personnel, but we strung together six straight wins. And we went into St. Peter's in New Brunswick, and they would wax us every time we went in there. And we went into St. Peter's, and we slapped them in the mouth and beat them. That was our sixth straight win. And it was just that confidence, that swagger that he instilled in us, and that he made a he you know he was making this swagger Kool Aid, and we were just drinking it. And when you get into a clubhouse and you just keep winning, and and the guys mesh, and it's just the right time for that team, that's what's going to happen any given Sunday. Yeah, you have to understand, and I hate to throw out the cliches, but you have to understand that that's what happens. And and they got to Lewitsky, they went on that run. And it was an unbelievable run, but now you see everything is kind of evening out. They've lost three of their last five after winning those 11 straight, as we taped this on uh, Thursday uh, afternoon. And the Yankees have kind of you know, balanced out the force. They're back in first place. They have a two-game lead. And that just goes to show the veteran leadership that, that the Yankees have. Uh, you know, they're in that clubhouse. They're not going to get worried. They're not going to get intimidated. They just go out and they continually do their thing. Now, look. Another thing is you can't predict baseball. I know you hear John Sterling say it all the time. But if you think the Yankees offense was going to be what it was the last three weeks of July through October, no, you're out of your mind. You don't want everyone to go cold at the same time, which is what happened. And you look at a guy like Luis Severino. If he made his debut two weeks prior to when he did make his debut, he'd be 2-0. and Yeah. You know, instead of... 0-2 or whatever he's he is He's 0-2 with two really, starts. really hard luck losses. Yeah, and what's his ERA? 2-3? 3.1? Something like that? I, I mean, if he, like I said, if, he, if the Yankees were scoring yacht loads of runs two weeks prior to his debut. It was like the Oprah show. You get an RBI. Yeah, you, you get, get an, an RBI. RBI. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, and here's another thing. Just, uh, just rapid points. I, I, I was off for a week, so... And I paid attention like no other to the Yankees. And I just want to get all these points across. All of you that uh, wanted Brian Cashman to sell the farm for David Price, shame on you. Shame on you. And if you need any other, and I know it's a small sample size, but look at what Severino's done. Look at what Bird did yesterday. Greg Bird is the reason why the Yankees swept the Twins. The reason why. And you look at that kid, he's 22 years old. Severino's 21. Mm-hmm. You look at Bird in the batter's box. Does he look sketchy? Does he look nope. edgy? He puts together great mm. at-bats, gets himself into a situation where he can make it do some damage, and he did that yesterday against a, a veteran pitcher in Irvin Santana. Yep. 
And the first one was a no-doubter. The second one goes into the bullpen. <clears throat> I mean, Luke. And then Irvin Santana calls Yankee Stadium a joke because of those well, home runs. But I, I guess he works, didn't realize that the bullpen's 400 feet away. And not only mm. not only that, Irvin, but uh, your team has the same fences. They don't you know go out and retract when the Yankees come to, to the plate. But I just want to trumpet and, and thank Brian Cashman <laughs> And all the Yankee hierarchy for standing pat. And, you know, their only move was Ackley, and he got hurt. Um, so it is what it is. But I am so happy that for once the Yankees didn't sell every, and they could have. Like, if guys like uh, Mason Williams, if he didn't get hurt, and. Um, yeah, Slade Heathcott. And Slade Heathcott, if he didn't get hurt. I mean, they could have moved those guys because, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, and Lou broke it down like no other, you know, the Yankees have such a depth in their farm system with outfielders <laughs> that fit that mold of those guys. I mean, they could have made moves, but you don't sell your blue-chip prospects for a guy like David Price, who's a free agent at the end of the year, and has already come out, and I know he might soften about the no beard or whatever, but he already said he doesn't want to play for the Yankees. He'll play for wherever the money is right, but I'm just so glad the Yankees didn't go out and get a rental in order to make a run at one title when you can make a run down the line in the next 10, 15 years at, a handful. at multiple titles once again. I'm not saying <clears throat> that they're guaranteed another dynasty. I'm not throwing that out there. But from what you hear from everybody that Lou talks to, everybody that I talk to and we interview, these kids down in Scranton that have all come up here and gotten their cups of coffee could make a difference in September and guys like Mark Teixeira, whose contract runs out after next year, and Carlos Beltran, whose contract runs out after next year, Lou said it, ad nauseum, Aaron Judge, Greg Bird, this is your future, Yankees fans. And this is just a very small taste. And I'm not saying Mark Teixeira is Wally Pip either. No. He's not. He's having a, he's having a ridiculous season. And if you get one more year like this out of Teixeira next year, you thank him. You send him on his way, and he goes and signs with somebody else. Maybe he goes home. Maybe he's an Oriole for the rest of his career. Because yep. Chris he, Davis will be gone after this right. or next year. There you go. I mean, y- you just don't know, but this is your future. This is a very – if the Yankees don't win the World Series this year, it doesn't matter. Nope. This is a very exciting time to be a Yankee fan. This is the next wave. I'm not saying there's going to be another core four. It might be five. Who knows? And it should have been core five, by the way, because Bernie Williams always gets the shaft when when everybody says core four. Bernie was part of that. Bernie, in fact, started that. Bernie is the reason why Marion Rivera didn't get traded because he's the one who came up and got a shot and did well. And if you talk to any of those guys, they all thank Bernie for that. Felix Fermin. That's all I'm going to say when it comes to Marion Rivera. It's Felix Fermin. Yeah. Um, let's, Let's put that into further perspective with three points from my end. Number one, with as well as Severino's done, Severino was a, was a need. Starting pitcher was a need. So despite his service clock not needing to be started in terms of Rule 5 eligibility and 40-man roster, it needed to be started in terms of production. Bird needed to be started. Rule 5, Because right? he'll be Rule 5 eligible this year. And if you don't think the first team would claim him oh, if yeah. they got the chance, you're you're – you should probably stop following baseball and go figure out something you're better at. <laughs> uh, 
so it's a why not sort of like how as I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago how John Ryan Murphy came up in September a couple years ago needed to be on the 40 man blah 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 here we go Aaron Judge does not need that yet he's only three years in um because the half season after he was drafted even though he didn't play counts as you know accrued organizational time so they don't need to put him on the 40-man roster until after next year. So there's no reason for him to come up right now. So this is what you've got. You've got Bird and Severino, and there could be more coming. Ref Snyder could be part of this. Um, any one of these relievers could be part of this. Judge could eventually – Gary Sanchez could still be part of this. Uh, there's more coming. This, the third point to that <clears throat> is let's be fair. The Yankees' only move being Dustin Ackley – kind of set the stage for Greg Bird being here. If you follow along in the corollary that Ackley, his acquisition led to Garrett Jones being designated for assignment. His injury led to Garrett Jones being brought back. The Yankees' need for pitching, because they didn't acquire any at the deadline, brought in the need for Severino, and then Garrett Jones was gone again, and when they needed somebody to come up and back up to Sharon A-Rod, it was Greg Bird because Garrett Jones was gone again. It's kind of a convoluted uh, roundabout way as I was. And we can't, talk about, we, can't, we can't talk about being DFA'd without talking about Chris Capuano. Right. I mean. Again, convoluted roundabout way, but maybe the Yankees acqu- moves at the trade deadline, acquisition of Ackley being the only thing it is in a roundabout way, sort of responsible for Greg Bird getting this opportunity. And. Yes, the bird's the word. There's, we made the joke. We made the obvious <laughs> joke. Done. Uh, but Haven't you heard, Brian? No. You, heard what? Dog and a baby bought Don't the last 63 it. copies. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Greg Bird is why the Yankees swept the Twins. Those two home runs yesterday were the offense. Yes. And in the 10th inning in that game, he's the one that started the Lead rally with double. the double. Right. And scored the winning run. So, there you go. This is your future, Yankees fans. Th- this... Like I said, this is the reason to be excited, you know, and again, I know everybody wants to win a World Series every single year, but let's be realistic. It's just not going to happen, and uh, it would be boring for baseball if one team just continually kept winning the World Series every single season. Uh, But the Yankees are in a good place right now. They've got a good mix of veterans. they got a good mix of youth. Uh, this youth is not only getting experience, but they're actually helping, helping the team this year. And, you know, you look at the Yankees. How many different guys have they used this year? Much like last year. Isn't it in the I 50s? believe the number is now 52. 52. And last year they set a record. 58. 58. Last year they needed the guys to come up, and Brian Cashman needed to be like a magician at the yeah. trade deadline. Uh, and he brings in a guy like Brandon McCarthy, and he really helped. I mean, turns his yeah. season around and, and pitches lights out for the Yankees. But this year, as we periscope, by the way, I just want to tell you, I, I didn't tell you. But no, I you, figured out what you were You kind of figured, I figured we what I was doing. doing. Yes. Yeah. Hi, everybody. This is the Chris Sheeran Show on YesNetwork.com, and you could subscribe to us at iTunes. How's everybody doing? Anyway, um, but like I was saying, you can't win the World mm-hmm. Series every yeah. single year. But the Yankees are in a great position to make a deep run in October. Uh, they're pitching if it holds up. And you know what? We've talked about CC Sabathia so much on this podcast, and everybody's been down on him up and down throughout the year. He's had a roller coaster season. But I tell you right now, and Katie, um, Katie Sharp on Twitter put this out there. She wrote an article for, I believe, Bleacher Report and hit the nail 
right on the head. Uh, I'll paraphrase. It was just basically giving a bunch of his stats because that's what Katie does, and she does a tremendous job at it. But what it did, what it broke down was look at his track record. He's got a little bit more zip on his fastball. He's got a little bit more of that confidence back. And when it comes down to it, I'm telling you right now, in the past two weeks, CeCe Sabathia, for me, has taken, you know what, in a quick series, I wouldn't want to give the ball to him just because of the year he's had, to me saying, there's no way. Yeah, he he's can't your be, number three guy. He's your number yeah. three guy. In a heart, you got to give him the ball. Because in this situation, Michael Pineda's been hurt. Masahiro Tanaka, he's been t- Tanaka lately. That complete game saved the bullpen. He did a tremendous job. Uh, but Pineda's been hurt. Nova, we're going to get to see again tonight. He's, you know what? He's still getting his legs under him. He's yep. coming back from Tommy John. Avaldi's been great. I know he doesn't give you length, Lou, but he saved the bullpen yesterday too. Throwing 120 pitches. 120 pitches. And the thing I noticed about him yesterday, when somebody must have gotten his ear. I, I don't know who, I don't know what, but the Marlins have to be sitting back saying, son of a gun, he's figuring it out. 50 of those roughly pitches came in the 6th and 7th innings too. So it's not like he labored or you know had 20 pitches every inning and, and gutted through it. He was perfect through 16 right. batters and the Twins batted around in the 6th inning. And he was making the Twins look silly most of the game. And the way he was doing that, when you throw 98 miles an hour, when you're throwing two seamers that are 91, when you're guessing if a fastball is going to be 98 or 91, he was using a lot of off-speed stuff, and he made a lot of those Twins hitters yesterday look silly. So you got a Valdi pitching well. All you need to do is keep the offense. Look, if a Yankee starter could give up three runs and pitch into the sixth, I'm not even saying complete the sixth inning. The Yankees have a great shot to win. And one of the things you mentioned goes back to something we've talked about also a lot on this podcast, including with John Flaherty and Ken Singleton is that come September 1, when it's not which of Pinder, Rumbelow, Goody, ETC is up, it's when all of them are up, this becomes a team where, you know what, CeCe, you're losing it a little bit in the sixth inning, all right, you're out. Hey, you know what, Nate, go out and give us everything you got for five innings, we'll let the bullpen carry you home. Hey, Yvonne, everything you got for five innings, we'll let the bullpen carry it home. We'll let Tanaka and Pineda and maybe Severino save the bullpen every now and again. When you get 12 guys out there, it makes it a lot easier to manage uh, they, every game like it's game seven. That is a luxury that the Yankees are going to be yep. so happy to have in Joe Girardi. I mean, and people give Joe Girardi a, a hard time, too, with the way he manages the bullpen sometimes. But he's done a tremendous job all season long. We went over the numbers a couple weeks back with how no one in that bullpen is near the most innings they've ever pitched. He's being really... And it helped with Andrew Miller getting hurt uh, and being on the DL, but he's being really, really liberal or conservative, I should say, with the way he uses those guys out there. Sorry for the political. And that's why, and that's why Justin Wilson has become a trusted reliever is when Miller got hurt. He's the guy that got that opportunity to fill Dellen's shoes when Dellen got to fill Andrews. You got power lefties, something you didn't have last year. You had one guy and you traded him to the nationals. Um, and now you have Wilson, you have Shreve, you have Miller. I, I mean, you have a Chase and Shreve who has gone from fringe major leaguer to right. important bullpen part right. and potential, like, you know, 
I, I won't say rookie of the year candidate, but he's been a revelation down and there. I don't know how he always gets pushed into the corner like Baby and Dirty Dancing, but Adam Warren, this guy is a savior out there. And I know he was probably their best starter at the time he was moved to the bullpen, but what he's done for Girardi out there in the bull, you, you can't. And I, I know we mentioned he could be like the Phil Hughes of 2009. He's become more like the Luis Soho of 2015, where he just fills that role. Right. You, you need a guy to go do something, Louis the guy. You need, That's the way it was in the yeah. dynasty years. You need three innings, yeah. Adam could give you three innings. So he kind of gets pushed into the corner, but he is so valuable to the Yankees' bullpen. And not only him, but you know, you keep going down the list. Dylan Batances, he comes into the ninth inning in that last game against the Twins. Strikes out two. And I love that he said after the game, he's like, wait, I have 100 strikeouts? He doesn't even know. Doesn't even care, probably, like no. what his numbers are. And he's just going out there and doing his thing. That's the attitude you want. That, that's, the guy, that's the kind of guy in the clubhouse you want where he's not in, the, in his locker tweeting out that he has 100 strikeouts. And, and, uh, it, hashtag Bayrod. Yeah, has, hashtag blessed. But <laughs> it's just, it, it's funny. It is. You can't help it. Um but the guy, the guys in that clubhouse, they have a great mix, and you know, with Alex's resurgent season this year and that grand slam he hit against the Twins, you know, he's he's in a slump. He's probably hearing time and time again since his birthday, he hasn't hit a home run since he joined the Forty Club, uh, and then he hits that big grand slam, gets the Yankees off the deck in that game. He brings them back in that one. Then Bird hits the two big home runs in the in the finale during the day, and he became the oldest player named Alex Rodriguez to hit a home run in a major league baseball there you game. Go. So there's your stat of the there, day. There's your stat of the day. And not only that, but we talked about it again in my office before we came up here. We're looking at the Yankees' schedule, and my God, do they have it set up nice? I mean, they have this ten game homestand that they're three games into. Uh, they have four with the Tribe and then three with the Astros before they hit the road for six. Uh, that's in Atlanta and Boston. And then they come back home for another 10-game homestand. Yep. I mean, whoever did the scheduling for the Yankees this year, the Yankees should be sending them, like, coupons for And that 10-game homestand, too, also has a lot of games against the Rays, who are not doing so well right now. And then, you know, one of their road trips, they do have to go to Tampa, but the back end of that road trip is City Field. So that's not really yeah. a road trip. So September is going to be a lot of time in New York with, I think, two-thirds of their games in, in September are at home and three of the ten or so they have on the road are at City Field. And the way they so. play at Yankee Stadium... You know that 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 series at City Field. I'm looking forward to that. I'm gonna be filling in for uh, Meredith Morakovitz on the Saturday and Sunday of that series potentially. And uh, I, you know what? I cannot wait to be in that kind of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. It's late September. Both of these teams right now are in first place. You would hope that they're still there at that point of the season. Uh, City Field with the Mets playing the way they are. You know, you channel surf. You watch the games. You just tune in for a little bit. That place rocks, man. Mm -hmm. It's like circa 1986. The, the way swagger is back there yeah, for them, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's just going to be an unbelievable weekend. The first game, of course, is on Yes, and then the second one's on Fox, and then I believe the third one you it has been picked up by ESPN. ESPN yeah. will be a Sunday night or an 8 o'clock game. So It's hard to believe that it was just, what, a year ago during that Subway series when it was still the four-gamer that we got the DeGrom Jacob DeGrom's Major League debut, and I think Montero pitched in that series as yeah. well. I mean, it's like, and now DeGrom is a legitimate ace. Absolutely. And we, we got his Major League debut as part of a Subway series. 
one thing I wanted to go back to that you have alluded to multiple times with this whole bullpen thing and everything too is that, as you said, you know the Yankees set a franchise record with 58 players used last year. Mm-hmm. That broke the franchise record of 56 that they had used the year before. <laughs> 56, and to an extent, those 58 were because either A, everybody got hurt. You know, Kevin Euclid, who was supposed to be the third baseman. Contextually, though, <laughs> contextually, yep. though, last year it was because of injuries. This year... It's because everybody's... The next man up, right? As I can say, you know, Kevin Euclid went from kind of a backup to third baseman to first baseman to hurt in the span of two weeks, and it, you know, the cycle continued. Tex missed the season, Jeter missed most of the season, and then last year the same thing with the rotation. They used umpteen different starters. This year, it's been the same. 20, 20 out of the twenty-five guys have been the same for most of the year. It's been those last couple of spots that rotate with the Pinders, the Rumbelows, the Goodies. The uh, Joel De La Cruz Cotham. and Matt Tracy and Caleb Cotham and all these guys that have come up, you know, in those early days uh, after the 19 inning game with Boston kind of thing where they needed it's it's refreshing most, the bullpen and the bench. And most of these guys throw gas. I yep. mean, all of them. When can you remember a time when they just so many relievers just threw flat out gas. And let's not forget about Brian Mitchell mm-hmm. and send our best thoughts to him who took that uh, line drive off the bill of the cap, which got dented, by the way, and then gave him a little nasal fracture. Thank goodness for that. It could have been a lot worse. But he was throwing seeds. That's why I brought him up, too. I mean, and, and Jack Curry tweeted out now, look, we always make fun of exit velocity. We always do. But in that situation... 103 miles an hour. 103 miles an hour, as Jack Curry tweeted out. That is a situation where exit velocity is relevant because you would like to know how fast that ball was going. And I'm pretty sure doctors would like to know. And let's put it this way. If I hit you at 103 miles an hour from 50 feet away in the face with a Nerf pellet, I could hurt you. Yes. Let alone a baseball. Ask Ron Say and Goose Gossage. Yeah. That too, because Goose was throwing some cheese back then and he hit Ron Say in the head. I think that was in the World Series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And don't forget that it was a high hard one that hit uh, Mr. Myrtle in the head, and that's why we have the Sandlot. Pow. Anyway, sorry. I had to get a movie reference in there. It's been 26 minutes. Click. <laughs> but but no, that, that's the point is that the, the, the use of 52 guys hasn't been because they've needed to refresh every position on the roster. It's been 20 different relievers and eight or nine different guys refreshing the bench. You know, they went through three different guys when Ellsbury was hurt because Mason Williams got hurt. Right. Heath got, got hurt. They went through a couple of, you know, permutations of the Garrett Jones, Dustin Ackley, now to Greg Bird section of the roster, but for the most part, it's been McCann and Murphy. It's been Tex, Drew, Dede. You know, Brendan Ryan's injury, he kind of rotated that spot, but it's been Tex, Drew, Dede, Headley. Outside of Ellsbury, that outfield's been mostly healthy. Beltran's had a little bit mm-hmm. of issue, but he's been mostly healthy. Chris Young's been there all year, and A-Rod. And again, with the Greg Bird situation, hey, you feel for Garrett Jones, but Garrett Jones is used to being an everyday player, right? and he was brought here thinking that after last year, between Beltran, Tex, and even A-Rod, he was, he was gonna going to be an everyday player. Yeah. So the fact that he hasn't been sucks for him, but it's been a testament to those three guys that they've had the, the healthy, if not always productive, because Beltran's gone through spurts. And, and a- he's on fire now. And A-Rod's even been the first to say he's been stinking the joint up the mm-hmm. last few weeks before this Minnesota series. 
you know what? They they've been healthy and, and productive for the most part. So kudos to everyone on that on that spot. And you know, in the vein that you were talking about the kids coming up and, and getting their cups of coffee and everything else, you know, usually it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it isn't a necessity this year to, to, to help the bullpen and in, in some situations and when injuries come along. But sometimes these kids come up and they'll be bench players. They'll they'll play mm-hmm. when somebody needs a rest or the you know the fourth outfielder who's starting he needs to sit down so they go in. It's different this year. You get a different feeling from these kids coming up. Slade Heathcott looked like he belonged. Mason Williams looked like he belonged. And you know what? Before they got hurt, they had that swagger. I mean, I think you definitely you need that before you're called upon to be an everyday player or a bench player at the major league <clears throat> level. You need to come up. You need to get that. Even Jacob Lindgren, you know, he came up here for a little, for a short stint, and then he got hurt. Yep. Um, Chris Martin. And he's 22 years old. Chris Martin, uh, these guys, I mean, the Yankees are just loaded. And it's not like it had, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that farm systems of the past, I'm not trying to demean them in any way. It's just that this year you get a different sense of the Yankees farm system and how hard this organization has worked to replenish it and future. I mean, you just have to tip your cap to yep. the Yankees organization and the people running the scouting and, and the draft and Brian Cashman. I mean, that whole department. Um, it, it's they've done such a job. I mean, it, it's unbelievable, and, and you see it in the talent that's coming up here. Yeah, and it's been different on on the different sides of the ball, as you mentioned. With the bullpen, it's been these kids are not coming up and being thrust into high leverage situations because when Miller goes down, Batances just goes from the eighth to the ninth. Right, Wilson gonna, goes to the eighth. They're not going to stick one of those you know, kids. Shreve in and or Warren goes to the seventh, and now. You fill in Pinder, Rumbelo, Goody. Mm-hmm. These guys fill in at the back end, and they get the, they've gotten the opportunity to work themselves into higher leverage situations. And then on the other, the flip side of that coin too, you've got a couple of guys like Diego Moreno who came up and just you're an arm, and even he's just produced. I mean, he's he's hurt now, but that five inning yeah. outing in Texas, and then Adam Warren followed it up where they threw eight and a third of no hit ball. I mean, that was a huge win. You're going to look back that's at what that. Happens. Yeah. You look at it as 162, but you look back at that win and that performance by Moreno, and you say, you know what? If you win the AL East by a game, that's it. Yeah, that's a huge win, right? And on the other side of the ball, like you said, with these Mason Williams, Slade Heathcott, and and the position players, outside of Ref Snyder, who, despite what they all said, it seemed to be a few days. We'll give him a shot against righty pitching, you know, in Boston. It's it's not a stopgap. It's not the Yankees calling up. I'm just going to start throwing random names out here, and you'll probably pop for a few of them. But it's not the Yankees calling up Robert Enhorn from AAA because you know they need somebody to fill in in the middle infield once in a while. It's not the Yankees calling up um, you know like a Shane Spencer or a Ricky Lede because Kevin Moss, you know Kevin Moss. It's not a Shelly Duncan where they need to inject something into the right. offense. It's like okay, Mason, you're the next man up. Mm-hmm. Jacoby's hurt. You're the next man on the depth chart. Come on in. And it's it's not like they said, well, you know what, Ellsbury's hurt, so Gardner's going to move to center. Chris Young's going to play left every day, despite the fact that he can't hit, you know, the opposite side of the platoon. And you're going to be the fourth outfielder. And you're never really going to play. And nothing. Nope. Step right into the starting lineup. And you know what? This is the this is our system. This part of the system is broken. We're going to plug in a new component and go from there. We're not going to move everything around. We're not going to take. We're not going to rob Peter to pay Paul. We're going to put you right into that spot and go. 
And that's what they've done. You know, Williams and Heathcott and Flores came up, and they were Flores not so much, but the other two were everyday players. Chris Young maintained his fourth outfielder role. When Beltran got hurt a little bit, he filled in because it was less time, but Girardi has stayed the course. And they got a chance to, you know, they got a chance to be in higher leverage situations because they needed it. The bullpen guys don't need to be thrust into the closers role or the eighth inning role right away. They can work up to it. The position players needed to, and they've got the depth that it was the next yeah, man up to. And, and it showed that they have the depth. Yep. And that's something, as a Yankee fan, you really haven't seen uh, over the past decade. You really didn't have to because yeah. the Yankees were pretty much set with you know, the core four. Uh, core five, Bernie Williams. Fab five. I think yeah. Brian Cashman called him when Bernie got his um, number retired. Yes, the that. fab five. Yeah. Uh, we could say that. So. Can we can we call him the super six? Can we add Paulie in there? I mean, I know he was traded. He didn't come through the farm system, but he had a big hand in that too. Yeah, in, we, the, in that run. We could do that. But if we and, take away if, – if we don't use the Fab Five, then we can't have them be like the Yankees version of the Beatles. Yeah, you could call it the Super Six or the Spectacular Seven or add in Scott Bro- I You can go all the way down the line. Ocean's but, 13. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean it was – you know, you could see that again. I, I tweeted yesterday when Bird hit his first home. I was like, you're going to see a couple hundred more of those over the next decade or so. So yeah. get used to it. Yeah. Because this guy could be – I mean we don't want to put any undue pressure on no. him. No. You know what? If he turns out to be Tino Martinez, it's not. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's a bad thing when you're Tino Martinez in 1996, I guess, because you're taking over for Donnie Baseball. Yeah, and people hate you just on principle, but in the long he run, won yes. them over. Oh, he yeah. won them over. That grand slam in '98 pretty much sealed it. If it hadn't been by then, yeah. And he did strike out on the pitch before that. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Jim Lairitz was very honest about that. When yes, he was, he was a few months ago. Yes, he was. Um, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> you know, it's it's fun to me that as you see Mo retire two years ago, Derek retire last year, Andy and Jorge getting their numbers retired this year after retiring after 2012-13 respectively. As the core four era itself and Bernie Williams and everything with it comes to an official, official, this is closure. Their re- numbers are retired. They're done. Mm-hmm. You're now seeing the beginning of this, what Brian Cashman has been building, what he's saying, aren't, I'm not going to trade the farm for a rental or this or that. You're seeing the beginning of it with Severino and Bird and more to come as we go into 2016, 17, and beyond. Like it's, I said, it's an exciting time to be a Yankee fan. And you is. know what? It's an exciting time to be a part of the Chris Sheeran Show podcast with that guy, Lou DiPietro. Let me, let me throw this out there before you throw, yeah. to, before you throw to goodbye. We're yeah. doing an abbreviated, we are. abbreviated show this It's week. usually the magic hour, ladies and gentlemen, but today we're only doing like the magic half hour. Give or take. We'll be back with more stuff next week. We had a potential guest on tap for this week too, but it fell through, so we kind of had 20 We apologize. Minutes. We kind of had 20 minutes we had set aside for that that we need to fill. And while Lou looks that up, <laughs> I just want to say to everybody watching on Periscope that you could download this for free at iTunes.com. It's the Chris Sheeran Show podcast with my good buddy Lou DiPietro here on YesNetwork.com. You were talking earlier about David Cohn talking about this year's Toronto lineup. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking at the 92 Toronto lineup on baseball reference because I wanted to see who the actual shortstop was. Right. When you had the Mike Gallego Mia Culpa. And their lineup. I had to. I I thought about it. I had to. Their lineup, if you look at it now, 23 years later, you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, damn, that was a pretty damn good lineup. But looking at it in the moment, just moving one column over from the name on baseball reference, you've got. 
John Olerud at 23. Mm-hmm. You've got Roberto Alomar at 24. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of those guys is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, you've got Jeff Kent as their like backup mm-hmm. infielder at 24. You've got Derek Bell as their backup outfielder wow. at 23. Four pretty damn good players yeah. there, 25 and under. But in addition to that, you've got a decent veteran catcher, decent veteran in terms of age, in Pat Borders, mm-hmm. who kind of is where McCann is. He was 29 in that year. Right. McCann's about 31. So roughly the same. You've got you know Kelly Gruber holding down third base, the mainstay of Toronto's lineups. But then you've got Candy Maldonado in his prime in left field. The candy man. You've got Devon White in his prime in center field. You've got Joe Carter in his prime in right field. Wow. And you've got in the Alex Rodriguez role, Dave Winfield, who played 156 games at 40 years old as the DH and hit 290 with 26 home runs and 108 RBIs. Oh, good Lord. And that's not to mention, you know, the various guys that, that occupied bench. Alfredo Griffin was their Alfredo backup you know, utility infielder. Pat Tabler Pat was Tabler. on that team. Was Pat Borders on that team? He was. He was a catcher. You mentioned that, right? Yeah. And you know, Manuel Lee is a shortstop. I mean, he's he's the he's the he's the redheaded stepchild See, of that, this lineup. That was the lineup that you know, if you were a Yankee yeah. fan, you just you couldn't beat the uh, the Blue Jays mm-hmm. that year, and you needed a big out. And the bottom of the order was up, and there was Pat Borders, and you you just what, what did he hit? Two fifty that year, two forty one, two forty two, two forty two, two ninety OBP. 13 homers, 53 ribbies, yeah, probably needed, hit an eighth most of the time. Yeah, and you probably needed a big out. Yeah. And even Pat Borders would get a big hit. Probably hit an eighth because I would imagine that Lee or Griffin hit ninth. Golly. Kelly Gruber probably hit I mean, seventh. There was just there was no laying off the gas pedal yeah. with that lineup. But, yeah. as yeah. David Cohn said, the lineup this year, I mean, one through four, that Toronto lineup is ridiculously mm-hmm. sick. I, I mean, as a starting pitcher, to get through those top four guys inning after inning, I, I, I don't know how you don't have an, uh, an ulcer well, and, and chronic agita. If that's, if that's not bad enough, let me give you their, their pitching staff. I mean, David Cohn was on that team. He, he made seven starts. Was Henkin the closer? Oh, he was. Steve? At 20, well, he wasn't. I don't think Henkin was the closer, per se, but he was definitely a flame-throwing reliever on that team. Dave Steve? Dave Steeb, yes. The, the technical closer with 34 saves was Tom Hankey. Oh, okay, yeah, Hankey. He had those big, goofy glasses. Yeah. But you had, let's just go through this again, you had in the Mariano Rivera-John Wetland role, you had the veteran Tom Hankey and the up-and-coming fireballer Henkin, Henkin. who eventually moved into the rotation and became pretty right. darn good, Right. as well as Dwayne Ward, God, who made 79 appearances and threw 101 innings out of the bullpen. Talk about a rubber arm. Mm-hmm. Joe Torre probably would have salivated for a guy like him. <laughs> Scott, and Proctor! Some, and somewhere Scott Proctor where puts an icing out his arm. Proctor, where are my eyebrows? But you've got, you've got Jack Morris was their number one starter at 37. He won 21 games with a 4 ERA because their offense was nasty. But, yeah, you've got Jimmy Key in his prime. Jimmy Key. And then you've got one. What is he, 45? <laughs> I could hit him. 31 at that point. Yeah. And then you've got Juan Guzman and Todd Stottlemyre just entering their prime at 25 and 27. Good Lord. 25-year-old Juan Guzman, number three starter on this team, 16 and 5 with a 264 yard. Cone was an add-on, right? Cone was an add-on. He came from, was it the Mets or Kansas City that he came from at that point? I think Kansas City. 
He, he was he, he was a mercenary. He made the handful of starts down the stretch. Mm-hmm. They also had Mike Timlin. Yes, as he was getting his feet yes. wet in that bullpen. Yes, they had David Weathers, the future Red Sox, the future Yankee, as a September call up. A lighter came up for that one start. Uh, yeah, Morris Key, Guzman, Stottlemyre, Steve, and then David Cohn was the mercenary. And they beat the Braves right in the World Series ninety two or the Twins in ninety two. Yeah, was that the Braves or the Twins? That was the Braves. Yeah. And then 93 was the Because the Twins beat him in 91. Right, 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 right. Right, 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 right. Win Twins. And then the Braves and then the uh, good old Phils. When I was at- yeah, the Braves were 91, 92, 95, 96, 99. Well, I, know, five World Series. I know I've told this story, but I'm going to tell it again because I know it will annoy the Philly fans that <clears throat> I know from college. But I was pretty much the only person rooting against the Phillies. Not necessarily rooting for the Blue Jays, but just rooting for the Phillies to lose. Uh, I went to college 10 minutes away from the city of Philadelphia at Rowan University, formerly Glassboro State College. And in my dorm, Mimosa Hall, for those of you who might know it. Uh, if your RA's name was Bloody Mary, that'd be great. No. Anyway, no. Good. But that was good. Thanks. Uh, good, quick, quick-witted. Good job out of you. Quick-witted breakfast beverage there joke. There you go. Um, <laughs> but that night, Joe Carter hit that home run. As soon as it left the bat, there was silence in the entire dorm, except for yours truly, screaming at the top of my lungs, cheering as loud as I can. And that brought us one of the most iconic calls of all time. Touch them all, Joe. You never hit a bigger home run. And then I would shut my door and deadbolt it so no one came in and killed me. But yeah. Uh, I could still see it. I could still remember exactly where I was. It was the opposite reaction when I was in. I was in the city of Philadelphia the day that the Phillies clinched the division in two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. The year they won. Yes, it was the year they won the World Series. They clinched the division in two thousand eight, and it was pandemonium. I was sitting in in a bar on South Street, eating a cheesesteak, having a beer before a. Our 20-year Temple Update reunion. Jet Black Benz, plenty of friends. You know it. And all the Philly steaks. <laughs> With all my Nissan, my Nissan sitting on Lorenzo's. Uh, <laughs> and it was panda, pandelirium, as some would say. Uh, so it was the opposite reaction. But uh, one thing I did want to say going off on that tangent was, speaking of the Phillies and all that, you have to give props. Chase Utley traded to the Dodgers yes, yesterday. Absolutely. Now becoming the second... This year, and, and there's more than that, well, third, actually, if you count Cole Hamels, the important part of that Philly dynasty is gone outside yeah. of Ryan Howard. Yeah. It's, you know, Rollins and Utley are now a double play combo in L.A., and Hamels is in Texas. Bring me your tired, your weak, your yeah. overaged, overpriced uh, baseball players. That's the L.A. Dodgers <laughs> tagline. Jason Wirth is clogging up the Nationals' payroll, and uh, Pat the Bat is probably out somewhere uh, – being Earl. Pat the Bat. I thought he was coaching high school or college or something. I thought he was, yeah. I'm not sure. I really haven't kept up with Pat Burrell, but I think I saw something on the Twitter machine about that. And Ryan Howard is still striking out 375 Ish. times a season, so they Ish. got that going for him. Yeah, but. which is nice for other teams in the National League East um, and pitchers everywhere. But uh, one more thing before we go. Uh I would like, and I know you would probably second this emotion, but I'd just like to tip my cap as I always do. Uh, I usually send him a text or an email every year, but Jason Zillow, 
and the entire Yankee organization for the, the work they do on Hope Week. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to check out anything we've done with Hope Week, you can go to yesnetwork.com. Uh, all the features go up there, and you could watch them at your leisure. Uh, all the people that not only go out and make these happen on location, but the people here at Yes, uh, you don't see their faces, you don't hear their names, um, but they do a tremendous job in the edit rooms and going out and shooting these things and putting them together. Uh, people like Blake Shear, people like Emily Coulter Purcell, people like Eric Roldan, people like EJ Gentile. Uh, those are the people that really do a lot of the legwork and the editors. I could go on and on. I just don't want to forget anybody. And if I did, I'm sorry. But these are the people that really put their heart and soul into these Hope Week pieces. And uh, they should be mentioned. And, and, you know, they should be given props because the, the stuff you see on the air doesn't uh, appear without their hard work. And, you know, the first one really got to me. I mean, all these get to me every year, but the first one really got to me. Chris Singleton, yep. uh, his mom was one of the nine parishioners killed in South Carolina. And uh, golly, did the Yankees just do a tremendous job with him. They let him take BP. Hit a couple out, too. He did. During he BP. Did. So, you know what? Good on him and his family. They came. Yep. They had the first pitch. So uh, just a tremendous yep. job by Jason Zillow. Uh, every year that he does this, it's it's just – it gives you goosebumps. Every one of these gives you goosebumps. And it just, it's the philanthropy that Mr. Steinbrenner uh, did throughout his entire life. Jason has just taken the yep. baton and, and he marches forward with it. And I just wanted to throw that out there uh, the job that he and, and his entire yeah, staff. And it does. stays in the family, too, because if you watch all the features we've done on, on Jennifer, yeah. Yes Network, uh, the third one will air tonight uh, during BP or pregame on the 100 in, uh, not 100, that's today. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, and I'm sorry. The Southern Boulevard School yeah, in Chatham, Southern New Jersey, who took Hope Week. You know, the principal took Ho- the Hope Week principal into his own school and said, "You know, we're going to do this," and, and that's why they were honored. But Jennifer Steinbrenner is there right. every step of the way as well, like you know, following in her dad's footsteps, so to speak, as you know, showcasing and and, and being that philanthropic. Uh, entity right. of the Yankees. And, and, you know, like I said, if you missed any of this this week, no matter what, and I know everybody has a busy life and you're doing this and doing that, just go to yesnetwork.com and you could check out all the features that aired um, throughout the week. I did Chris Singleton's on Tuesday on the BP show. I know that's been out there on Facebook and uh, I threw it out there on Twitter as well. But the centralized location for all this stuff, if you want to check it out, uh, and you should because it's it's so well put together and 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 the work that everyone does is just terrific and I can't say enough about it and I'm proud to call all of them colleagues. That's all I got. Yeah, pretty much it. Hopeweek.com as well. The Yankees have yes. those videos as well as my some apologies. More, yes. Some more information about the the honorees: Chris Singleton, uh, the Prospector Theater, and Valerie mm-hmm. Jensen in Ridgefield. Um, Southern Boulevard School today: the Hunter and Huskies Cheerle- which is a cheerleading program for. Um, disabled right. uh, girls. They also have one for uh, football program for, for boys with disabilities as well. And then tomorrow's we can't talk about just yet because right. it's... And one of my favorites there. from the past, and, and if you get a <clears> chance, <throat> go to uh, the Google machine and type it in, Camp Sundown. And mm-hmm. I'm getting goosebumps as I say it. I mean, these kids, they can't be out in the sunlight because their skin is so sensitive to the sun. They could actually die from being out in the sunlight. And wouldn't you know it, the night of their hope week, the game is in a rain delay. 
the game gets rain delayed, and we all know, like in August, I think it was in July that year, but the sun is still out until at least eight thirty, nine o'clock, and the game was in a rain delay until nine. So they were able to get on their bus a little bit later when the sun went down. They got to the stadium, and the players and the PR staff of the Yankees and everybody involved, they were out there. They set up a carnival at Yankee Stadium, and they were out there till 3 in the morning. Think of I, And those kids had a blast. They, mm-hmm. they just did uh, – just look it up and watch it. it. It's just so well done, everything. There's been, what, close to 50 now over seven years. Yes. Uh, 30 or 40, anyway, over yeah. seven years that the Yankees have honored. So this is the seventh year. And all the organization, you know, all the teams throughout the organization do it. Scranton has their own hope mm-hmm. week. Trenton, Charleston, Tampa, on down the line. So yeah, it's just a tremendous week, and and people should really be given the credit because they do a great job. That's all I have, and I'm sure that's all. Lou that's has. all I have. So for this week's edition of the Chris Sheeran Show, for everyone who's been watching on Periscope, we thank you. Uh, this is here every week. Uh, uh, I am off vacation. I am back. I am ready to go, raring to go for football, uh, for the baseball down the stretch run in September and October, getting ready for maybe a Yankees playoff appearance for the first time since 2012. It's an exciting time of the year. NFL football's coming back. Baseball's winding down. Basketball and hockey's going to start up again. College football. I'm still not over the Rangers losing in the uh, Eastern Conference final to the Lightning. And don't forget the FedEx Cup playoffs start soon and go. Oh, never mind. Thanks, you, Lou. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. But anyway, we want to thank you for listening once again. I will be back next week with more. Maybe we'll have a guest. Maybe we won't. Who knows? We'll have to find out next week when we ramp it up again here on the Chris Sheeran Show. Hashtag blessed. Have a great week, everybody.